This is Music in the Church, a podcast about thinking bigger in your faith and your ministry. I'm Dr. Sarah Bariza, and I'm the Minister of Music at the First Congregational Church of St. Louis. Today, I'm talking with composer Catherine Rose. She is the founder of Cecilia's List, which is an online site where Catherine posts music by female composers that is suited to specific lectionary readings and more general themes like Advent, Lent, and the Eucharist. Catherine hails from Canada and is now based in London and studying for a PhD in composition at the University of Aberdeen. In our conversation, we talk about Cecilia's List and how musicians can more intentionally program music written by women. We also discuss Catherine's own music and why she uses Creative Commons licensing for it. Finally, we talk about Evensong and a new-to-me genre called West Gallery Music. West Gallery Music was sung and played in England in the 1700s and early 1800s and has experienced a revival there in recent decades. All the resources Catherine and I mention are in the show notes for the episode, musicandthechurch.com slash 32. One note about the audio in this episode, just know that there is some rustling in the first couple of minutes, but we got that sorted out pretty quickly. So here is Catherine Rose talking about Cecilia's List. Well, let's talk about Cecilia's List and how you, how you got started with this project. Well, I quit my organist job in order to do a PhD and an organist who doesn't have a Sunday morning gig is a, is a rare thing. So I spent some time going to lots of different churches in London to see what other people were doing. And after about six months, I realized I hadn't heard any music by women, um, except Crimond, which is, you know, one hymn tune. <laughs> um, it is a very well-known hymn tune, but it's one hymn tune. <laughs> I mean, maybe there might have been some psalm chants that were by women, but they weren't they weren't attributed clearly and I kind of went you know I'm going to church on Sunday mornings and usually to even song once or twice in a week um, because I live in London so I have two cathedrals and a few other places. Ah uh, you lucky person. <laughs> really nice you know and I kind of thought wait a minute I know there are more women writing music than that where is it what's happening and I sort of ranted about it online a little bit, as one does, and realized that the problem is a problem with which I'm very familiar as an organist. When you're choosing music, you're not thinking about representation. You're thinking about what are the readings this week? Who's in the choir right now? Can they sing it? How much preparation time do we actually have? What else is going on that month? Is it half term and anyone with grandkids is going to go away? Is it Christmas and everyone's going to be either sick or have been singing three things every day for a week? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's, what's the preacher likely to say about this, this, this particular week that I'm looking at? What's actually in our hymnal? And then you might sort of think, oh, wait a minute, everything is by dead white men. Or, you know, you might not. You might go, oh, great, I've got four hymns and an anthem, let's do the next week. Mm -hmm. And where I was, I could always make sure there was music by women because I could just improvise a voluntary. But, you know, that's not something that works everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Either because the organist isn't a woman or because the organist isn't as comfortable with that kind of improvisation. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, well, 
I know a lot of women who write music, or I know of them, and I know a lot of clergy and organists and things online. It shouldn't be that hard to um, to sort of curate what I know and point people to the resources that they need. So I thought about it for a while, and I made some plans, and I talked to one or two people about whether they would find it useful, and they said yes. And eventually I thought, well, I'd better just do it. So I bought a domain and set up a little website and decided to launch on St. Cecilia's Day, <laughs> which meant that for the four days before St. Cecilia's Day, I was kind of scrambling a little bit because I wanted it to, to look nice when it launched and so on. And so I launched and I mean, I think it went well. I think I, it has because I discovered it. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I have, I, I occasionally get emails from random strangers that I had no idea who they are or how they found this website saying, thank you so much for this, or can I suggest that or whatever mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. It's also been really good for me in terms of discovering a lot of composers I didn't know about. Mm-hmm simply because they weren't people that happened to be active in the bits of the internet that I'm active in. And so that's been really nice. And I mean, I like to think it's making a difference. As you know, this autumn I launched the um, Advanced Music Recommendations Mm -hmm. for this summer. Yes, Um, I purchased the one for Epiphany. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. I I noticed that. Mm -hmm. I I recognize that name. (laughs) (laughs) You've written a good bit of music that is very accessible for a volunteer church choir. And that's because that's what I was working with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's accessible to the, to the choir. And it's also, I think, accessible to the congregation. That's Mm -hmm. very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, This is is one thing that I've encountered as I'm making very intentional choices to always have at least one female composer on, on our like anthem and um, organ music list for, for each Sunday. And and it's that so much of this really gorgeous, written by written by women composers music that I'll I'll, I'll um I'll I'll say something on Facebook like oh well do any of my friends have a suggestion about this kind of a piece and I'll get these incredibly difficult suggestions and I'm like oh well that's that's wonderful but but you know my my choir can't even I do I do have professional vocalists in the choir but I can't I can't program this really really difficult stuff it's it's not a this is a they're singing new you know, this is a sunday in october like i i, I, can't, I can't program yeah. concert music yeah so one of the things that i'm trying to do more with cecilia's list now is i'm trying to focus a little bit more on hymns and hymn tunes mm-hmm. because that's one of the easiest new things to do mm-hmm. uh, yes yeah. if you can if you can get past the oh it isn't in our hymn book thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scares some people, but it scares some people. But you know, if they get used to that idea, if they get used to that the idea that sometimes they're going to have maybe the dots and the words in a piece of paper, then it tends to be something that doesn't require a lot of preparation from the choir. And you know, it's a hymn tune. The whole point is it's five verses, and it's the same each verse. <laughs> By the fifth verse, they've probably got the hang of it. <laughs> you hope, uh, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing this for the recessional on a day when you have a lot of other weird music, but you can do almost anything for the offertory. And if the, if the introit and the recessional are, are well known, solid mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm. then you're okay. Yeah. Um, I try to, I try to only program one, one less familiar hymn each week. Yeah. Um, that's, that's wise. So that's, that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, cause if you want to encourage, 
encourage the congregation to like feel confident they have to know what it is mm -hmm. another thing that i used to do is i used to improvise on that hymn tune the week before mm, yeah and in the and in the music before the service i would play through it a few times and mm -hmm. then when it comes they've heard it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they don't yeah. know they've yeah. heard it but it's but it's there it's it's, but it's, it's there. there in the background yeah and that did seem to help a lot yeah but so i'm trying to i'm trying to make sure because there's so much out there that is just i mean it's beautiful but as you say it's like okay this is eight parts it goes to a high b Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a bit in the middle mm -hmm. uh, how about nope yeah <laughs> but i want you know i want music by women to be included in the bread and butter mm -hmm. exactly yeah um yeah and the reasons that it aren't are partly the stuff we've already been talking about with the difficulties of of programming new music in terms of how long do you have to rehearse how much patience have you got from mm -hmm. everyone um, how much space for new music do you have it's partly that and i don't know if this is more a uk thing but there's kind of a feeling sometimes that when people want to have a new choral piece the people they talk to are their mates from when they were choristers at an oxbridge college Mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. whatever no i i think that that's the case and in the, the u.s is, too it's just that you you it's it's enjoyable enjoyable to program music by people that you know because oh hey that's my buddy or that's my colleague yeah but when your colleagues were all boys mm -hmm. guess what that means yep you know yep. and it's not you know it's not meant in any way maliciously but it does end up being this whole thing where if what you know is mostly by men and what you hear is mostly by men and you work mostly with men mm -hmm. at least as colleagues then you know it is going to be an effort to go out and look for stuff so i'm basically mm -hmm. taking that effort on myself and saying look you want to do this here i've made it a little bit easier i've found mm -hmm. some music for you mm -hmm. and yeah. it's related to the common worship lectionary because that's what i know and what i use mm -hmm. And, and what a lot of other people use. Yeah. And what a lot of people, well, certainly in England they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, if I were using the revised common lectionary, I might have a, a wider audience. Mm -hmm. If I was using the Roman Catholic lectionary, that would be different again. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> there's something. We're talking about this in terms, talking about Cecilia's list in terms of the lectionary. But... I, I want our listeners to know that um, even if they're not in a church that follows the lectionary, for instance, uh, the church where I work does not, um, that you have also things by categories, Advent, Christmas, Lent, Easter, Eucharist, and Evensong. And I, I want to focus here on the Eucharist part because as I've discovered and probably a lot, a lot of other people have, if you're thinking intentionally, I want to make music by women a really regular recurring part of our services, and it's also new music, one of the easiest ways to do this is say, well, what do I do always? And in a lot of churches, it's Eucharistic music. So if you learn one anthem by a woman, well, you can sing that every six weeks or every 12 weeks or whatever, you know, whatever suits your choir and how much music they can learn. Um, and, and it becomes like, well, this is something we do every Sunday, so it doesn't have to be unique yeah. music. It's not like an offertory anthem. And what I've done in the church where I work, because we don't have a Eucharistic celebration, there's a communion um, Lord's Supper once a month. Um, 
But what I've been doing is saying, well, we do an intro every week. We do a benediction response every week. Oh, well, if I do music by Alice Parker for our intro for several weeks, well, I have music by Alice Parker for several weeks. And um, make, making that like a, as I'm selecting music, well, what's something that we can do frequently? Because, you know, my choir doesn't sing a fresh intro every single week. They're used to singing uh, recurring yeah. pieces. So, oh, well, I'll choose, you know, I'll, I'll focus my energies there in addition to this anthem that we, we may sing once a year. And that can make the uh, it can make the representation a little bit easier. And that's again one of the things that I did at St Andrews is I wrote them a mass setting or part of a yeah. mass setting. Mm-hmm. I only yeah. wrote, wrote the bits we use. Yeah, but but that's you know you're being pragmatic. Yeah. Let's uh, go back to thinking about the lectionary, and I'm because I'm curious for listeners who regularly choose music that relates to the lectionary. Like how do you, how do you approach? you're looking at these scriptures and you're you're thinking about music that fits with that like what's what's your approach to that well and this is part of why i'm i'm working on cecilia's list what a lot of people over here do is they subscribe to the royal school of church music's sunday by sunday magazine mm, yeah yeah we have a couple of equivalent whole, things here it has a whole bunch of recommendations there's also a book called sing his glory which similarly, I mean, that's for the revised common lectionary and that has a bunch of, that's mostly hymns, I think. And it's a bunch of hymn recommendations and different hymnals that those hymns are in. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is that some hymnals have a scriptural reference in the back, which is very handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you can look at your scriptures and look them up in the reference and then see what happens. But a lot of it for me is kind of simply about association and you know i know that i'm always going to have come down a love divine at pentecost Mm, yeah uh, because it's it's categorically about the holy spirit Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then at other times of year where there are scriptures that mention the spirit i might i might program that i might plan that if i'm reading through the the scriptures and there's kind of a sheep theme going on then crimond is kind of an obvious choice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah so sometimes there, there are a few weeks in the summer where everything is about bread oh yeah like yeah three weeks running mm-hmm. and it's a pain because i've only really got about eight or nine bread hymns mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. okay week three we're still talking about bread um, oh, I, I feel that way sometimes about uh, light hymns, especially when you're outside of Epiphany, because there's, at least in the hymnals that I'm working from, there's not a lot of hymns about light that aren't specifically Epiphany um, or Advent, and it's transfiguration sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> hymn writers out there, uh, get on that. I'm in a tradition where the Eucharist happens every week, so you're almost always going to be okay with something like Ubi Caritas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're almost always going to be okay with some anthem that's another part of the mass setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that helps a little bit. But sometimes it's just hard. Yeah, well, some, some, uh, some lectionary readings, I'm like, well, you know, maybe none of the music will relate to that one. <laughs> yeah. You brood of vipers. Uh... <laughs> Maybe not set that bit. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, we'll get a retrospective on that. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk some about your um, your model for composing? Because like you've mentioned, commissioning pieces, 
and if I remember correctly, like your your music doesn't typically fall under the same um, financial model as a lot of composers use. No, it doesn't. Um, rather than okay, where to start with this? I have a, a Patreon. And the way it works is that I write music and once it's written, I figure it's written. I've done the work, right? Mm-hmm. And people can sing it once or they can sing it 20 times. I've still done the same amount of work. And so what I do is when I finish a piece, I put it on the Choral Public Domain Library website mm-hmm. because that seems to be where people go to look for church music these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I go to look for church music if i'm Mm. (laughs) if i'm pressed you know Mm -hmm. um and i also upload it to my patreon site and i have 28 or 30 or something like that patrons and they pay me when i finish Mm -hmm. a piece which is grand and sometimes that's a song chant and sometimes it's a four minute long anthem i might feed them my compline setting in movements Yeah, yeah. Because that's a lot of work. It is a lot, yeah. But what that means is I'm, a, I'm able to put my music online in a way that people can download it and photocopy it. In fact, that's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, people can rearrange it if they want to. That's fine. That's encouraged. They can mm-hmm. record it. That's fine. That's encouraged. But they have to share alike as well. Um, mm, yeah. You can't, you can't record it and then release it with DRM. Mm-hmm. Then, then I will be very upset. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I assume you have like some sort of Creative Commons license. I don't know if there's a yeah, it's a Creative can... Commons attribution yeah. era like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is 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 my preferred license. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use attribution non-commercial. This is usually if I'm working with a lyricist or a poet or a librettist who is uncomfortable with the attribution share alike license, and that's usually because of contracts that they already have with their publishers. Yeah. Yeah. Or contracts that they're hoping to get with publishers. Yeah. So I'm so that's that's how I fund my own composing. Mm-hmm. And I like doing it that way because the way Patreon works, it means I have a monthly deadline. I have to finish something every month or I don't get paid. Mm. Yeah. Which focuses the mind rather. It does, yeah. Although I do have some people who've decided to subscribe um, just through PayPal on a monthly basis, so I get paid whether I finish something or not, mm-hmm. uh, which is very generous of them and means that in months when I don't finish something because I'm doing a PhD, I still have a little bit of money coming in. Oh, that's good. Well, because a, a PhD might not, not um, just for our listeners, a PhD might not sh- show in a result today, but it shows in results for the rest of your life. Well, that's the hope. You know? Yeah. Yes, yes, that is the hope. <laughs> that, that is the hope. Um, so so that, that's the model that I use. And if I were commissioning work by other people, I would have to think very carefully, do I want this to be a commission with a stipulation that it has a Creative Commons license? Mm, do you find that people are willing to commission you in that kind of way? Oh, people, yeah, people will commission me that way, certainly. Okay. I have had a few commissions where I've said, well, look, this is, this is how I do it. Are you happy with that? And they've said, yes. Oh, good. I've had a few where I've said, this is how I do it. Are you happy with that? And so they say, what's creative commons. Mm, um, yeah. And that's, that's a harder conversation to have because you have to kind of do some education. Yeah. Which is not always what they're looking for. 
Um, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's true. But it also means that if a church or an individual approaches me and says, I haven't got any money, but I'd really like to see a setting of this text, that text, the other text. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, that's a great text. You're absolutely right. Oh, and it's public domain as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about the bit where they don't have any money. Mm. I can just do it and I'll still get paid. Yeah. And that's really, really nice. I, I really like having that freedom. It also means that if someone comes to me and says, I will give you X amount of money to set this really horrible piece of poetry, mm-hmm. I don't feel like, well, I have to take it because they're paying me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you more flexibility to compose how you want to. Yeah. And that's, that's a really nice thing. It also means I'm not, I'm not worried about what will sell a lot of copies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which um, I think is not the same as saying, I'm not worried about what people will sing in their services. Like, that's not quite the same thing, right? It's not the same thing at all. Yeah. It does mean, though, that because I'm not signed with a publisher and probably will never be signed with a publisher, because most of them are kind of allergic to the fact that I want people to be able to photocopy my music. Mm-hmm. And I can I can understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's not how their model works. Model is is deeply flawed, but I can see, you know, I can see why it does mean that I have to be more proactive in distributing my music than I otherwise might. Yeah, yeah. Because it but, isn't showing up on a publisher's website. It isn't showing up in the in the emails that they send round. It, seem, so, it seems to me like it's a mod, your model is very much a 21st century model. And um, traditional publishing is, is really not of the 21st century in that, you know, until a few years ago, it, it was impossible for someone to find something on the, on the internet, print it on the, the printer that their church has that's connected to the internet, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, like this just, it just, just didn't exist 20 years ago. It, it, it wasn't a feasible thing 20 years ago. And now people like you are really disrupting disrupting the traditional music publishing system like in part based on ideology but in part based on well it's actually possible to do this now yeah i mean i don't i don't see myself as disruptive in in that kind of mm. oh, okay um, venture capitalist kind of silicon valley uh kind of way um i'm not doing this because i hate the publishing industry i'm doing this because i don't have the patience to leave my work sitting in a drawer mm. and the reality is that there is a lot of choral music that is already in the public domain. Yeah. And if a church has a low music budget, or if a, if a community choir has a low music budget, they are going to sing stuff that's already free. Mm-hmm. Which is primarily by men. Which is primarily by men, and just exacerbates the problem that we already have of people singing what they know, and what they know about, and what they've heard of. So I kind of feel like... Well, I can't remember the exact numbers, but there's a women composers page on Coral Wiki, and mm-hmm. it's it's one page. Ooh. You don't have to like scroll. That's kind of ridiculous and yeah. not and they, accurate. They have <laughs> of composers and one page of women. Ah, oh, oh, that's so silly. It's it's really sad. Yeah, um, and that's partly. It's partly because, well, I mean, I've started referring to Anonymous as she, mm. on the grounds that a man would have put their name on it. I mean, mm. I mean um, by and large, yeah. By and large, yes. 
uh, on the grounds that men were more likely to be in a position where putting their name on it was allowed. Yeah, yeah, and not detrimental to their reputation. Not always, but... Not always, you know, but but women were more likely to have reason to publish something either anonymous, anonymously or under their husband's name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I figure on balance, referring to anonymous as she is, is perfectly fair in the in the circumstances. One thing that I'm thinking about is that Cecilia's list and the work that you do there makes this kind of search for I like this this intent I want to do more music by women composers this kind of curation makes that much easier in that if I look on Coral Public Domain Library oh that is overwhelming and it's just kind of like how do I find you know the quote-unquote good stuff or the stuff that works for my choir um, amongst like such a huge sea of music and like it's, it's wonderful that there's there's so much out there but it's just overwhelming in the the press of well I need to find need to find something for this. I need to find something for that. And so what you're doing by curating these lists, by making Cecilia's list, you're, you're, you're taking the, um, you're taking that search out of it and, and saying, well, here is a curated list of stuff that's already been vetted in a certain kind of way. I'm, I'm saying this is hard. This is easy. This is medium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is great because if your choir is never going to sing something difficult, well then you just, you know, you don't have to sit there skimming through the music and looking for does, is there divisi in here? Yeah. I mean, I maybe I don't always get those those designations exactly right. Oh, but but, but like the ballpark. Having is a the, ballpark is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it means that most things I say moderate, because <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I don't want to say something's easy and then it's got a really hard bit. Another thing I'm aware of is that women of color are very underrepresented in Cecilia's list at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to amend that. Sometimes it isn't possible mm-hmm. because I'm not going to not make a recommendation for a particular week because I don't have anything by a black woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I'm a long way from, say, being able to have all women of color composers in Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to do that. But at mm-hmm. the moment, with the constraint of the lectionary, it's not mm-hmm. not possible. And that's something that I want to be better at. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a continual process for all of us as we think about how are we shaping the music programs in our churches, in our, our concerts, wherever it is that we're making music. Like we, we say, like, well, here's where we are. Here's what our choir currently knows. Here's what our congregation or, you know, whatever the music group is. Here's what we currently know. And here's this general, like, I want to head in this direction. And then we start walking down that road, right? Yeah. And we encounter the roadblocks that we encounter. We cross the bridges that we cross. And we just keep walking towards our intended destination. Yeah. And it would be really, really good if there were a project highlighting music by composers of color, mm-hmm. according to the lectionary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that is not my project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying. I'm I'm aware of that, but it's also like it's hard. Yeah, it is, and it's and it's part of the like. Well, here's here's where we're walking toward, and you know, we we uh we keep. We there's some steps work. along. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of steps and a lot of uh a lot of the road to walk down. One of the things I like about Even Song is that it's very. It's been around long enough that. You can do it a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. 
So one of the other things that I do is I sing in a, a group called the London Gallery Choir. Mm-hmm. I used to play the serpent with them because oh, I don't know. People keep I keep learning odd instruments. I'm a little bit worried about what's going to be next. <laughs> <laughs> but the so the, the West Gallery music is music of town and country parish churches in roughly the Georgian period. Um, and it's called West Gallery music because it was generally sung by the choir and band from a gallery in the west half of the church or the west mm. end of the church. It wasn't always half. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's mostly metrical psalms rather than sort of Anglican chant, which came a bit later. Mm. And very often the canticles would be metrical as well, although not always. And there are anthems and later in the period there are hymns. And so an even song like that, it's completely different than what you would get in a cathedral. Oh, I bet. But it's also still even song. But then at a parish near me, they were doing even song every week, but just with a very small choir, like four or five people who, were, who wanted to keep this going and six or eight in the congregation who would sit in the choir stalls on the other side. And they always sing the canticles to the chants from the parish psalter and they sing the psalm to a chant from the parish psalter and there is no anthem and everything else is hymns no and that works really well too and mm. it's still even song and you can also do the whole thing in plain chant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's still even song mm. um, and i think that it's so what's one of the things i'm really interested in is how much you can change liturgy without changing the words Mm, yeah and how much and you can shape it yeah mm-hmm. these days we've got computers and changing the words is easy but mm-hmm. actually sometimes you don't need to change the words sometimes you just need to do things very slightly differently mm-hmm. and the whole thing is and it very very different yeah yeah um so and the other thing of course is that in all of these different idioms um and I notice it more with the West Gallery music because we have active researchers who spend time in the British Library going through old manuscripts and copying them out, basically. And then we sing and play this music. That hasn't been heard in hundreds of years. Yeah. Our director did a PhD on an, a manuscript from the Isle of Man, uh, a group of manuscripts. And probably nobody else has sung that music. Oh, wow. Some of it's really good. Some of it really isn't. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, and there's, there's this idea that the music that we sing now is kind of the cream of everything and anything that came before is unworkable uh, or not very good um, or that we've only saved the good stuff from before. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Gibbons mm-hmm. verse anthems and, and, and how I like Gibbons. Um, mm. Which is earlier again than the West Gallery. The, the, the thing is that when you look at what people were actually singing at the time, some of it's really good and I think, why aren't we doing this anymore? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some of it's rubbish and I think, well, I know why we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. But then we still sing while shepherds watched their flocks by night to, is it Winchester Old or Winchester New? Oh. I, always, I always get those two confused. But you know, na 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 na, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're singing this for six verses and thinking, why, why? why? Oh, which actually goes back to the 
impetus for Cecilia's list is that the cream doesn't always rise to the top in the sense of, uh, you know, there are channels, there are ways of perpetuating that we have, uh, you know, hymnals and so on and so forth. And by doing your work, you are helping us see a bigger picture of the musical world, the, the bigger, a bigger range of options that we have to choose from. Churning the cream a bit, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a pleasure talking with you. A pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to Catherine Rose for this conversation. You can find the show notes for this episode at musicandthechurch.com slash 32. Get in touch by sending me an email at musicandthechurch at gmail.com. I produce a monthly email newsletter, and you are welcome to sign up for it by going to musicandthechurch.com slash sign up. I'm Sarah Breeza, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Music and the Church.